The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 122. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papalong is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. All right, we ready? Recording. Here we go. T-Mobile's G1 phone and Android are officially announced. Verizon comes back out with contract-free plans. And the next generations of operating systems have been delayed. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. And in headlines today, Qualcomm's going to be integrating satellite and cell phones. They announced that they'll be building new chips that will allow for combined cellular and satellite phones. They struck an agreement with mobile service providers Mobile Satellite Ventures and ICO Global Communications. It will be incorporating the technology into the baseband chips for use in cell phones so that phones can use both the cellular and satellite networks for the voice services. They'll be ready for manufacturing and incorporation into the phones beginning in 2010. Qualcomm and the partners hope to have uh, they can achieve economies of scale so that the new chips can be used in mass market handsets. Digital Imaging Systems in Germany announced a 9 megapixel camera with optical lens and mechanical shutter has a 348 I'm sorry 3488 by 22616 pixels resolution. It'll record HD video up to 30 frames per second. Verizon is going to be offering month-to-month plans, an announcement this week that no contract plans will be available to get again from the number two provider here in the U.S. Customers can pay full retail price for the phone, or they can supply one on their own, activate service that runs on a month-to-month basis, and they can also choose to end their plan at, at any time at the end of the month and not pay an early termination fee. The month-to-month plans are available from all of Verizon's voice and data services starting on uh, September 22nd. Sprint is launching their 4G Zome WiMAX network in Baltimore, October 8th, and it's going to be a laptop-only service. India added 9 million mobile subscribers in August, uh, 9.16 to be exact, bringing the total number of subscribers in India to 305 million. The Federal U.S. Court of Appeals is uh, reaffirming that Qualcomm didn't fringe on two of Broadcom's wireless patents. Uh, uh, Qualcomm has not paid any of the royalties for the chips that they are allowed to sell through January of 2009. SanDisk is starting to ship 16-gigabyte memory cards. They are announcing that the acquisition of Samsung will help them to begin shipping the micro SDHC cards and memory stick micro or M2 cards with a capacity of 16 gigabytes starting in October. The cost of the micro SDHC cards will be $100. The M2 cards in the same capacity will be $130. Keep in mind, not all cell phones can accept the 16 gigabyte cards, so you may want to check before making your purchase. Sprint announced a new mobile banking application called My Money Manager, where you can view account balances, account transactions, pay bills, transfer money, Search for nearby ATM and branch locations. Uh, the banks that are uh, involved with this service right now are BBNT, Citibank, IBC Bank, PNC Bank, and PayPal. 
Sprint this week announced the completion of its sale of the cellular towers to TowerCo for $670 million. It sold 3,080 towers to TowerCo, which will take over the operation and maintenance costs of the towers. They've also signed a leasing agreement for the use of the tower so it can continue to operate its networks. Well, T-Mobile's 3G coverage has been ever-expanding over the last few months, and if you're interested in finding out if you can get the service in the area that you live or work, you can now do so by heading over to T-Mobile.com and clicking on their coverage checker, and what they've done now is added a, uh, a feature that allows you to check for data coverage, and it will show you whether you have uh, 3G coverage or the standard edge slash GPRS coverage in your area. Joey, this is an interesting uh, thing that they've finally put up, and I guess it's you know a long time coming. Every other carrier does it. Uh, looking at it for me here in Cave Creek, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix, it looks like it cuts off just south of where I am. I'm on one of the northern suburbs. What have you found in looking at your maps? In my area, it uh, cuts off just uh, just north of where I am. So it's uh, I don't have T-Mobile 3G coverage uh, in my residence, but it looks like I do in the office, and it it covers most of the Twin Cities area. And same thing with Phoenix. I mean, it looks like they've done a very good job with this initial rollout. I mean, not, you know, not to say anything bad about the fact that, you know, we both live in suburbs that are kind of on the, you know, the outer, you know, tiers, uh, if you will. Um, but uh, anyway, you, you've, if you've got uh, the, the need or the desire to get the 3G service with them on one of the new phones that's out there. We've got one coming up here that we're going to talk about. You can do so and actually check it before you, uh, you know, before you make the purchase. Uh, next here, Americans are found to be texting more than they're talking. Uh, for the second quarter of 2008, U.S. mobile subscribers sent and received an average of 357 text messages per month, compared to making and receiving only 204 phone calls. Now, this is something that is constantly, the, the ratio has been getting out of whack. And, you know, this is, they're talking about the number of phone calls, not the number of minutes. What do you think? Yeah, that's, well, that's kind of tough because a lot of times you will send three text messages back and forth instead of a phone call. So I, I don't know where you could say, you know, 357 versus 204 is finally more than than uh, making, you know, uh, more text messages than a phone call. So I don't know, that's kind, of a, that's kind of a gray area, but that's still a heck of a lot of text messages. In the month of June, apparently, American cell phone subscribers sent about 75 billion SMS text messages. That's about two and a half billion per day, an increase of 160% over the 28.8 billion reported in June of 2007. Now, leading the charge here is the teen market. Teens aged 13 to 17 years old send an average of 1,742 text messages per month. They also talk on the phone, but only make about 230 calls per month. Um, also, uh, tweens or kids under the age of 12 are also heavy users, averaging only about 428 messages a month. I just think it's amazing from the first quarter of 06 to the, first, the second quarter of 08, the number of messages increased by 450%. That's uh, it's it's pretty you know mind-boggling. You know, we talk about it quite a bit with the you know SMS and texting and and where we've come. Joey and I are, are you know not in this group that is so highly using of these messages. I mean, I'm maybe a hundred to one hundred and fifty messages per month. I don't know where you're at, but um, I think I'm right. I, I bet I'm right around that that number. And yeah. to me, it seems like a lot, but it's you know a lot more than I ever used to send. But you know, any wonder with that many text messages flying around why the carriers want to increase the uh, the rates on that. 
Oh, isn't that the truth? Well, it's it's a pretty big uh, money-making opportunity for them if someone doesn't have a, a plan. Obviously, it's gone up 100% uh, over the last year. We had a, you know, a 10% per message charge, and that's pretty much 20 cents per message across the board. Um, adding on an unlimited text messaging plan to your, your service is usually about $20 per month, which, of course, raises the revenue per user, or ARPU, which will then give the carrier a, um, a better, you know, better idea of the amount of revenue that they're going to be receiving month over month. Um, anyway, but this is uh, something I think we'll continue to see, the number of phone calls uh, outside of business use will continue to drop as people become more and more comfortable with text messaging and find it to be a more efficient medium of communication. Well, the Iridium Satellite Company is uh, merging, and they are looking to enable satellite-based broadband. The merger is happening with GHL Acquisitions. They're a special company formed by Greenhill Investment and will be renamed Iridium Communications. It is subject to the U.S. FCC approval and other conditions, and the close will ex- is expected to happen early next year. Now, Joey, there's a few interesting points to take a look at with this when we're talking about, um, you know, satellite broadband communications, not exactly tied into cellular communication, but at the same time, it's going to be something that a lot of people will want to take advantage of. And at this point, Iridium is is not all that successful, just over 300,000 subscribers. Yeah, and and you know, Mickey, that they've got a very limited market, and luckily they've they've marketed themselves towards these uh, vertical markets: government, oil drilling, shipping, uh, for their customers. Um, you know, and I don't know what their monthly rates are right now. I didn't uh, look those up ahead of time, but they, it, from what the story says, is a lot of their uh, uh, usage actually comes from data from actual equipment communications instead of you know phone calls it's it's actually going more for for devices and controlling devices remotely in you know remote areas of the world so it's kind of a neat uh, probably an unforeseen use of the service uh, that they probably they probably expected more phone calls than this but right now the the current network is 2.4 kilobits per second and for the next generation network they're looking for a 10 megabit upgrade so looking to spend about $2 billion for that, replacing these 66 satellites with new ones that will allow for um, an, uh, the IP-based service to go over the broadband. Um, interesting, though, the, the life of these satellites is expected to be uh, somewhere around five years, uh, so 2014, and they hope to have the next network completed by 2016. So what's happening in those two years? I don't know. There may be a little gap in coverage. I would I would imagine they have I'd I'd imagine they have most of the satellites launched uh, before the end of the the you know the current network. And I'm sure that all the satellites don't kind of fail at the same time. So there's there probably probably no real gap in coverage. I would imagine. Well, it's available almost everywhere around the Earth, including both poles. So for those that are looking for coverage, literally everywhere, this is a great option. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to be also including environmental um, uh, monitoring, photography, and uh, GPS systems in these satellites to try to probably probably return on their investment a little quicker. Yeah, they're going to have to you know take a look at some other different options. So certainly makes sense. Well, it's 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 kind of amazing after how badly Iridium got started that they're still kind of trucking along here and and hopefully going to you know invest two billion dollars on an upgrade. 
You know, it was, yeah, it was 11 years ago. Uh, it was when they first launched, and it was Motorola-led. And, it, you know, over the years, it's really, it's kind of just kind of, you know, like you said, poked along. Nothing's really exciting happened with it. So uh, hopefully this upgrade will, will allow uh, some more exposure for them and give it a more useful, um, you know, useful service. You know, talking about a 10 megabit pipe that they're offering, what do you think about latency with that? Because I know that's always an issue for people. Well, it's it's going to be there. I mean, there's going to be at least a one second, you know, latency response time from, you know, if you are using a web browser and you clicked on a link, it's going to take a second before it responds. You know, thoroughput where you get the 10 megabits per second, you know, once you start getting the data connection going and built, then it'll 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 run fast, but you know, viewing web pages would be extremely slow. I suppose, but the service the service isn't for that kind of you know this is for other sort of you know devices. But I suppose somebody in a remote area could definitely. I mean, if you're in a remote area, I mean, having 10 megabit connection, even if there's a one second delay, is amazing. <laughs> That's very true. Um, 10 megabit, you know, will certainly be. Uh, I think the goal of the next generation, fourth generation cellular networks as well. So, granted, not the not what we'll see initially with the rollout of WiMAX, but probably eventually. And I know LTE. I think that's the on the low end of the speeds that they'll offer. So, very much consistent with what we're seeing. So, the next few years will will be increasing as far as the throughput of these different mobile broadband services. The EU is going to be capping European SMS roaming rates at 11 euro cents. If you look at what's happening now throughout the European Union, uh, certain uh, certain countries will have to pay higher rates when they their subscribers go to other countries, similarly to what we have here in the U.S. when you roam on different networks. Uh, for example, someone like a German customer sending a text message uh, from Spain now pays approximately 41 euro cents for that privilege. Uh, the European Commission's proposal has the rate dropping down to 11 cents per message, which will certainly be a uh, an exciting thing for those that do a lot of traveling throughout Europe that live in Europe. Arnold Schwarzenegger has decided that uh, he will sign the law into effect for banning motorists from sending text messages and emailing while operating motor vehicles. Earlier this year, legislation was passed prohibiting the use of phones while in a car in the state of California and required motorists to use hands-free devices. This new legislation will offer um, fines of $20 for a first time and $50 on each subsequent offense for those caught writing, reading, or sending messages while driving. Uh, You know, this is... They're getting there, Joey, but... You know, over and over, I feel like we keep, we keep talking about this and this distracted driving, and whether people are talking or texting or emailing or whatever it is, it all comes down to not paying attention to what you're doing while you're driving. And granted, cell phones are a great way to communicate and a very efficient way to communicate, but there's a, certainly a time and a place, and, and driving is, is not the place to be sending text messages. So they're on the right track, but I still feel like they're missing the boat with just singling out text messaging like this. I don't, what do you think? Yeah, it it seems like such a waste of time when there are so many other, uh, you know, more important things to be doing. And I mean, the laws of distracted driving and inattentive driving already cover this stuff. So I, it it seems bizarre that you have to specifically mention this. I mean, where's the law about doing your hair and makeup and eating and reading maps and reading books on your steering wheel while you're driving too? I see that I see that at least once a week. Any of those things. So I don't I don't know. I just don't understand this. And, you know, all I think it would take would be 
a single case to set the precedent that distracted driving um, or text messaging or talking is in fact distracted driving. And then from there on out, um, my guess is that that fine is a lot higher than $20. $20 is hardly a deterrent. I mean, really, who who's going to even think twice about that? They go, oh, okay, if I get caught 20 bucks and then I'll you know, be a little bit more careful about it. But, you know, that's just, it's almost, especially in California, it's like a slap in the face of, you know, of anything. It it doesn't, it doesn't seem that it's going to be that effective. So um, they're on the right track, but it's not necessarily going to be the answer, I don't think. Well, let's move on here. RIM reporting Q2 results. Uh, revenue for the second quarter of their fiscal year 2009 was $2.58 billion, up 15% from the previous quarter and up 88% from the $1.37 billion in revenue from the same quarter last year. The revenue breakdown for the quarter was approximately 82% for the devices, 13% for service, 3% for software, and 2% for other revenue. During the quarter, RIM shipped approximately six. 6.1 million devices. Now, those numbers may all sound very, very good, but in uh, some uh, some documentation that was sent out, they also mentioned that their gross margins in Q3 will drop three percentage points to 40, 47%, and that a further decline into 2010 is likely. Keep in mind what we're, we're talking about uh, very different things here. Well, revenues may be increasing because they're they're increasing their volume. The margins that they have on their devices are dropping, and I, I feel like in this the story that we're referring to here kind of you know pokes at this too is that Rim is really ignoring all their competition and they're not really discussing it and and uh, they're really just kind of saying okay we're just going to keep moving along and um, doing our thing. Well, they have to continually drop the cost of their devices. They're selling more of the lower end devices, such as the, I guess, the pearls and the curves, and the professional or you know enterprise level devices like the eighty-eight thirty, are, uh, are are they're not selling as many. And so while they're seeing more in volume, this you know they're they're dropping the margins, and I, that's not good. No, definitely, and you know the, the the sharp competition from what I would say, especially Windows Mobile, becoming so much more stable and usable, uh, and more inexpensive. You know, like my decision making process and and picking you know mobile phones with where somebody has to use email, it's for me hands down no problem. Get a Q nine C with Sprint or a you know some other Windows Mobile device that's very inexpensive. Um, you know, Sprint has a Samsung Ace. It's tiny. It's easy to use. It gets the email. No problem whatsoever. No problems with stability. Why would I get a BlackBerry when the device itself costs double and then I have to pay, uh, you know, whatever the fees are for the, the BlackBerry Enterprise server, which, I mean, they're they're huge once you start, start getting over a few users. And then, of course, then the service plan on top of all that. So, you know, for a smaller company, it just makes no sense to go for Blackberries. Yeah, and quite honestly, they, um, you know, the word here that they're using is delusional, um, saying that they're basically sticking their heads in the sand, and that you know the fact that you know that they're dropping so much in the margins is 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 really a problem, and um, you know this competition is is so big, and I completely agree with you that for for a smaller corporation or even a large corporation for that matter, 
going with you know the solution of an exchange server with you know feature pack 2 for the for the the push email just makes a whole lot of sense you're completely in control of what's going on with your mobile devices you're not you know falling into this trap of well you have to rely on third party and granted for the most part it's it's very stable but there have been a few cases when it's it's you know fallen down but Boy, I, I, I completely agree that um, they really should, should be doing some other things to kind of reach out and to, to, to wrap in the consumers into to using these things more. Yeah, and Microsoft actually you know, did a very good job of, of licensing ActiveSync to you know, Nokia with some of the Symbian devices that's coming out. I mean, I have it on my Palm Centro. Boy, if I needed to get some email devices out there, I, there's, I mean, the Centro, how can I not uh, you know, look the other way on that? Because this thing, I mean, and then of course, of course, I mean, the iPhone with the 2.0 software. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Look at this. I mean, it's it's a major, it's, it's you know, RIM hasn't stayed real current with their, you know, pay services. I mean, they still, you know, charge you to, to get email. And, and it worked, it was awesome to have that, you know, capability way back before Windows Mobile had ActiveSync built into it. Yeah, you're right. It's completely stable now, and there's there's really no reason um, other than that's what you have deployed at this point, you know, uh, and it's a significant investment to move away from it. But uh, for those that are just getting into the game, I don't think there's there's a real significant advantage to going with the BlackBerry Enterprise server. So they need to be careful with that, and uh, we'll continue to follow them as we do with all the other companies for their revenues and further uh, announcements. Well, let's move on to the devices this week. And the biggest one, probably the biggest news of the week in in the mobile phone communities was Android and the T-Mobile G1 being announced. It was a joint announcement between HTC, T-Mobile, and Google for the first phone running the Android platform. The G1 is a touchscreen device that swivels out to reveal a full QWERTY keyboard. It's got highly in, high tight integration with Google services, including one-touch access to Google Maps with Street View, Gmail, YouTube, and others. It also has a trackball for navigation, full HTML browser, HTML email, and a beta client for the Android market with several applications pre-installed. Other features include the 3G network supported by T-Mobile. So if you're in one of T-Mobile's 3G areas, you'll be able to take advantage of that. Wi-Fi, GPS, and also the ability to fall back on the quad-band GSM edge networks and also for roaming services around the world. A 3-megapixel camera with photo sharing capabilities and Bluetooth, and it also supports instant messaging services such as Google Talk and Yahoo Instant Messenger. It will come boxed with a 1-gigabyte micro SD card and will support cards up to 8 gigabytes. will be available starting on the, looks like, the 22nd of October in the colors of white, brown, and black. Now, if you're someone who's interested in, in, in learning more about this, this is probably the most covered story of the week. Uh, and the, the announcement uh, was, was very highly anticipated, and, and a lot of people uh, you know, found out everything that they really wanted to. Uh, some great jobs were done by a number of different sites out there, a couple that um, I do want to call out specifically. Uh, Mobility Today and Dave Sacconi did a great job with his coverage. Front row, um, you know, got a lot of pictures and a lot of good uh, write-ups about it. Phone Scoop, of course, uh, as always with their phones, does a great job of reviewing it. A lot of uh, hands-on screenshots with this thing. So if you're looking for what's going on with the different software and uh, hardware on it, they've got just 
tons and tons of pictures on it. Uh, and then, of course, all the other guys have covered it as well, too. A couple other things to note about it. Like we mentioned, it does have Google Talk on it and, of course, Gmail, and that's push Gmail. So if you're someone who uses the um, the Google email client, Gmail as your primary uh, your primary email address. This will be something very interesting for you. Uh, you can get your email pushed out to you. Uh, also, it does not have a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. It's running the uh, X USB connector that so many other HTC devices uh, are popular for. Also, there was a rumor uh, this week, and it well, actually was the truth for a while, that a one gigabyte soft limit was going to be in place by T-Mobile for the data service. That, in fact, has been dispelled. They've updated uh, the terms of their 3G usage and to basically say that um, they will, for customers that are abusing the service, they will uh, reserve the right to reduce the data throughput to a small fraction, uh, but that is not going to be something that they are going to do for everybody going over the one gigabyte limit. Uh, they will all, all their customers will be able to enjoy the 3G services of the T-Mobile network. Um, so keep that in mind as you're using it, not to abuse that cap. Uh, and then also the uh, DRM-free Amazon songs will be available on the G1. Six million songs are available from Amazon.com. Uh, the preloaded Amazon MP3 application allows for uh, viewing and downloading over the air uh, via Wi-Fi, uh, but also searching and browsing and listening to samples can be done over the T-Mobile network. Tracks are cheaper than iTunes. Uh, $0.89 cents, uh, per track and albums anywhere from 6 to $10. So uh, pretty neat. Something that Apple is yet to be able to do, having over-the-air downloads like that. Yeah, you can't do it on Wi-Fi yet on uh, the iPhone. Are, uh, are you asking? I, yes. No, you can. <laughs> over oh, the, okay. Over-the-air, though, but... I'm not no, this is only for Wi-Fi to download the music. Right. Well, I guess, but um, I'm trying to think if you can do sample listening or not oh, over okay. iTunes. Yeah, I don't know. All I can say is I, I highly recommend the Amazon MP3 store. The tracks I've downloaded and, and paid for from them, they, the sound is great quality, and it's obviously just free MP3s. It's it's to me, it's the only way to go. I, I would I would never purchase a, a song through iTunes. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I guess we'll retract our you know how much better it is than iTunes, other than it's DRM free and it's cheaper. You know, but you can still you can download them over the air. So yeah, well, I suppose I, iTunes does have some DRM free music. I would purchase that, but it's one twenty nine per track, not ninety nine cents. So that the price is higher, so it's significantly cheaper to get them on Amazon. Anyway, what things didn't come with the G1, I think, is another question a lot of people are looking for. Exchange support. No enterprise support for this. I don't know, Joey. Is that That's a deal killer for me. Well, it is It is for me as well, um, but I, it should be coming. I, I can't imagine it'll be long before it gets, uh, it gets on there. Um, that's kind of a... It, you know, it, it, it kind of changes it from a smartphone to a feature phone in, in some respect. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. It, it's kind of strange. Uh, also, there's no, um, uh, what, what, what am I trying to say? Desktop syncing for the G1 phone. You have to do it all over the air. Mm, which I don't have a problem with. I don't ever tether my no, phone. No, I don't either. So, no. you know, if anything, I'll pull out this, the, uh, the, the SD card, pop it in a reader, and throw some stuff on there. Maybe send some stuff over Bluetooth occasionally, but it's very rare. So, anyway, uh, no video recording, which, okay, that's fine. That's kind of, you know, something that 
some of these some of these other phones, like the iPhone, still don't do either, so not a big deal, I guess, unless you're someone who uses that a lot. Uh, stereo Bluetooth, it does not have the support for stereo Bluetooth yet. Of course, we mentioned no three and a half millimeter headset jack. Uh, it does not have a multi-touch, uh, something that the iPhone does, and it cannot be used as a tethered modem. Nothing there yet. Maybe something that will again come with software though too. And, and one thing is is the, the the hardware itself. It's a very unappealing design. The colors are very blah. It's not a shiny white. It's not a shiny black and a brown color. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's hardware that looks very first generation. It looks it, it looks like something they they probably decided upon the design two years ago, and they have not updated it for probably a year and a half just because they wanted the hardware to be you know stable, rock solid, and consistent for programming the OS. Which you know it the hardware may not be very exciting, but again, it probably makes for a better OS on the front end. So you know the next generation phone will probably be a, a lot more exciting than this particular one. But I know, obviously, the lack of the three and a half millimeter headset jack is kind of disappointing. But you know, if it's an older phone design, I mean, basically, it's just been a current trend in the past what few months that mm-hmm. we've had some three and a half millimeter jacks come out. So, yeah, not not quite yet. Well, they talked about that they've the engineers from Google and HTC have been working. Uh, they started talking about five years ago on discussions, but it was about three years ago that they started developing the software and the handsets for this launch. So it, it does appear that, you're, like you said, October 22nd is when it's going to be out. And uh, the price is right, too. I want to make sure I get that in there. $180 with a two-year voice and uh, data contract on it. But uh, it does appear to be maybe a year, year and a half old in the styling of the hardware. Yeah, and this is a very exciting device. From all the pictures that Phone Scoop had of the the operating system and some of the settings and just some of the the apps built in, it looks very nice. And uh, I, I think this will be a, a, a huge hit for T-Mobile. Yeah, I absolutely do too. And for those that uh, want to get on the the list to pre-order them, you can head over to T-Mobile.com to do so. Well, TELUS up in Canada in a Best Buy ad announced that they will be getting the HTC touch pro it will be available on october 17th so you if you are in the snowy tundra of canada you will be able to get this at your local best buy the ut starcom nick services over at AT at&t that's nick spelled k-n-i-c-k will be a uh, a very feature-based phone with uh, texting and sms at the forefront with its very sidekick-esque design. It will also have a camera, be able to shoot video clips, browse the internet, send and receive emails, and download and listen to music. You, It will also uh, have the TV support to be able to watch um, directly from the device, and as well as get directions and do navigation through its GPS. Look for more information about this from AT&T in the coming weeks. Best Buy will be carrying the Nokia N96 next month, if a uh, gadget story is correct here. Looks like it will be in stock on October 26th, and it will be $800. So if you're looking for an upgrade from your current Nokia N95, you can get it for $800 starting later in the month at Best Buy. Nokia is rumored to have the launch of its new touchscreen-based tube phone coming out this week. October 2nd is the date that's uh, being thrown around for a launch event in London. And uh, this phone will come with uh, Express Music as well as uh, some other, uh, looks like a slide-up keyboard with a touchscreen on it. Uh, More information on that after the announcement has been made. 
Uh, Verizon BlackBerry Storm details have been released. Uh, the BlackBerry Storm will feature a 3.25-inch 480 by 360 touchscreen, which is a little bit better than the BlackBerry Bolts. It will also offer a tactile feedback and auto rotation for using the keyboard. For text entry, you'll have the option of a virtual full QWERTY keyboard in landscape mode or the SureType keyboard in the portrait mode. It will be a CDMA slash EVDO Rev-A device on Verizon's network with a quad-band GSM Edge uh, radio as well with 2100 HSPA support. So the first global phone from Verizon to not only have the Rev-A network for use here in the U.S., but also quad-band support for around the world on the GSM Edge network and that HSDPA support, or actually HSPA support, so it could be DPA or UPA. So this is very exciting. So, you know, Joey, like I was mentioning um, before the show, what real incentive is there if you're going to be a BlackBerry user um, with with everything that they're putting into these CDMA devices to, to get one of them, um, to get something that's a GSM version over the CDMA version, especially if you're in an area like I am that has much better Verizon coverage than it does than, say, AT&T or T-Mobile? I mean... I can take this phone anywhere around the world with me and even use it at 3G speeds. I mean, they're just doing a really good job of incorporating all that in there. Yeah, there is no reason uh, to to go that way because it's basically the best of the whole world. Instead of the best of both worlds, it's just the best of the whole world. (laughs) There you go. It will also have a full HTML browser, including support for attachment downloads and video streaming, 3.2 megapixel camera with video recording, autofocus, flash, and zoom with a built-in instant messaging program supporting Yahoo, Windows Live, Google, and AOL. Also, visual voicemail is added to the feature list and support for Vcast and VZ Navigator. It will come with a one gigabyte uh, internal memory, uh, flash memory module, as well as uh, micro SD expansion with a reported eight gigabyte memory S- uh, micro SD card uh, in the box. So uh, very rumorish there, but could be pretty neat if you're someone who's looking for a lot of expansion capabilities, whether it's for music or video or whatever, on BlackBerry's first full screen non QWERTY keyboard device. Um, also on the BlackBerry side, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, over the last few months or almost a year, I guess it is now, with a touchscreen BlackBerry, is it going to be CDMA? Is it going to be GSM? Is it going to be the Thunder? Is it going to be the Storm? What's the deal? Well, it looks like um, BlackBerry News has gotten some information that there will be a GSM version of the touchscreen device called the BlackBerry Storm 9530, and it will be a GSM world phone Um and it will have 7.2 megabit HSDPA, uh, quad band GSM, one gig of internal memory like the other one, 1400 milliamp hour battery, micro USB uh, with a micro SD card slot, expandable up to eight gigabytes with 3.2 megapixel camera, video capture and assisted G- GPS. Excuse me. Um, pretty much the same as what we just talked about. So it looks like uh, we've got both different models here, um, which I, I think kind of explains it to everybody what's kind of been going on is there are GSM and CDMA versions. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I, I can't wait to see this out to see how they uh, implement the on-screen keyboard. I've seen, you know, just some some spy videos. I guess is what we'll call them, and it seems to be very, very difficult to use. Um, I hope I'm I'm wrong with that because uh, you know the other phones that are out there have been able to do it. Like the iPhone is easy to type on once you get used to it. Um, the diamond is not, um, in my opinion. You know, you can you can get used to it, but it's never as good as a full QWERTY, um, in my opinion. So, 
Uh, one of the advantages of, of Blackberries over time has been the, the wonderful keyboards. Uh, you know, hopefully they don't ruin it, I guess, right? Yeah, and, and it, it, I would almost imagine they should have, you know, my opinion was maybe they should have launched this device quietly and, you know, not dump these millions into marketing that, that seems like they're doing here and, you know, get it out there to see how people like it and, and improve upon it before, you know, really trying to launch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I... I, I can't disagree with that, I guess. I mean, you know, it would have been, it, it seems like every day we're seeing more stuff about this phone and it's just kind of like, it's, you know, little bits and pieces leaked out, but I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of money put into this and hopefully we'll see it here soon. looks like, you know, Verizon will have it sooner than the other ones, but uh, um, we'll see. Next here, Altel is adding the Motorola VE20 to its lineup. It is a, a successor to the Razer, so it's a very, uh, very much a feature phone. It is uh, mid-range as far as the features on it, including a uh, two-megapixel camera, three and a half millimeter headset jack, and uh, but it does have an outer touchscreen on it, which is uh, a little intriguing. I, I don't know what that's going to be used for. Maybe for music controls or something. Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, most likely. Maybe to just change between the clock and music controls. It is available if you are an Altel customer for ninety nine dollars on a contract in the colors of navy and licorice. Sharp and Nissan have announced a cell phone that's merged with a car key. NTT Docomo and technology partner Sharp uh, rolled out the first Nissan mobile phone with an integrated intelligent key in it. It can be used to unlock the car, also start the engine. They've also they've built a number of these cars that can use the intelligent key system. The technology will be on display uh, this, uh, this uh, coming month and will have companies... Uh, hopefully using this for commercial distribution starting in 2009. LG's next uh, or second 8-megapixel camera phone, the KC780, has been outed. It's a quad-band GSM and edge connectivity phone with an 8-megapixel camera with autofocus, red-eye reduction, and face recognition, also 30 frames per second video recording, 140 megabytes of internal memory with a micro SD memory card slot, which you will most certainly need uh, for use with taking pictures of 8 megapixel quality. Um, I don't know, Joey, I'm trying to think of what the size of those pictures would be. Probably three to four megabytes a piece, right? They, yeah, I'm sure they would be. So yeah, I've got to make sure you've got a memory, memory card in there, otherwise you're going to eat up that memory very quickly. The next Motorola Q has been outed in some spy shots here. Uh, the story that we're reporting from is from Mobility Today, and there's a number of different pictures showing off the different uh, likenesses of the Motorola Q9C uh, to this particular phone. Now, it's very interesting to me that this phone is is supposedly the, the successor in the Q line because it doesn't look a whole lot different, and um, I, I'm not exactly... Uh, excited about this. When the first Q came out, it was so revolutionary. And the Q11, you know, as the third generation, I guess, from the Q line, it just, it, it's kind of dying. Um, there's so many better designs out there. Uh, keys look very flat. Um, the D-pad looks very okay. Uh, and it still looks like a very large phone. So um, I'll tell you what, I'd still recommend the, the Q9, anyone who wants to buy it right now. Keyboard is fantastic on it. Um, very much enjoying using that as a phone. It looks like the only things we got upgraded here were Wi-Fi and a uh, three megapixel camera. Yeah, which I guess is useful. Three megapixel is is getting there, getting a little bit better. Um, but nothing much else. Windows Mobile six one, right? So yes, no re- yeah. no reason. So 
just a minor upgrade. Yeah, no reason to upgrade if you need if you don't need to. On the iPhone side, if you'd like to pre-order, and I use air quotes around that one, pre-order an iPhone 3G, you can do so by going to apple.com and uh, ordering your phone on the internet and then going to a local AT&T or Apple Store to pick up the device. It looks like this will be a way to, uh, I guess, cut down a little bit on the amount of time it takes from when you get to the Apple Store to when it's activated by having it ready for you when you get there. Also, a rumor this week that the Chinese iPhone will not have 3G or Wi-Fi. Uh, it doesn't come as a big shock on the 3G side, as there is no uh, 3G HSDPA network in China, uh, so they're not going to be able to take advantage of it anyway. So they looks like they'll be pulling out the 3G radio out of those phones. Not sure about the Wi-Fi side of it, though, um, but it looks like this will be, um, you know, maybe this will come to fruition. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to say what uh, what they're going to do with the or why they want the Wi-Fi out or if they'll actually you know restrict the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in other Asian iPhone news, the Hong Kong version of the iPhone 3G uh, is available unlocked. It comes in the eight gigabyte and sixteen gigabyte models, and uh, in U.S. dollars, the eight gigabyte unlocked version will be six hundred and ninety two dollars. And the 16 gigabyte will run uh, $794. So if you're looking for an unlocked version, you can, uh, I guess, get one if you're in the Hong Kong area. Um, this is something that, you know, we, we've we seen in the past. Uh, I think it was France had this with the first generation of the iPhone, uh, having it available in an unlocked fashion, although very expensive. Uh, nonetheless, though, it was available. The Palm Trio 700WX looks to be getting close to its uh, end of life. And uh, subsequently, the 800W looks to be coming to Verizon as soon as mid-October. According to a WM Experts article here, it looks like October 12th is the confirmed date, according to forum member Scott. And uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, You know, this Joey is coming from Sprint, who's had a a very short exclusive on this phone. Uh, What do you think? Is this this a a correct date? Uh, I don't know. It seems too early for me. It it really does, but it, it I suppose it's possible if they want to get this device out, you know, before the end of the the you know the, the Christmas holiday season here. Um, I suppose you know maybe uh, Palm didn't want to sign an exclusive for six months. Well, this comes just a week after the upgrade to the 6.0 software. Notice I didn't say 6.1, but the 700 uh, WX was just upgraded to 6.0 on the Verizon network. Uh, looks like it is now listed in a well supplies last um, format on their website. So it looks like very, very soon we'll be running this one out and uh, the next generation coming in. Sony Ericsson prepping a 5-megapixel phone, codenamed Kate. The 5-megapixel camera phone will have a xenon flash, autofocus, and smile shutter. No front camera or video calling, though. A switch button between still and video, as well as a button to access the gallery of images that you've just taken. GPS is not included, and it will have Edge, UMTS, and HSDPA running on Sony Ericsson's Java Platform 8.4 for a price of about $450 US dollars. If you're a Palm fan, the Trio Pro has certainly been on the top of your mind, and the phone is now shipping from Palm.com, so if you're looking for the unlocked version of the Trio Pro, you can pick it up from Palm.com, $550 in one color, Obsidian Black. 
If you're looking to find out how to remove the battery cover from that Trio Pro that's just arrived in your house, got a great article here from WM Experts at Dieter Bone put together a, a video on how to remove the battery, uh, battery door. Uh, it's a little bit difficult to explain in a show, so if you're interested, check out the show notes that can be found at thecellphonejunkie.com and watch the video to how you can remove that battery cover. All I can see is that it looks like a nice device from that video. I'm getting real tempted. I've, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can hold out. I've been waiting to see the reviews on it from people as they've been getting it to see if there's any problems with it because I want to make sure that if there is something that someone doesn't like about it that I find out about it before I buy it and not afterwards. Yep, and uh, that the way they've got the battery doors being the entire back end. It's like my Centro door, but that it, it covers the entire device, and that is just a nice design, and it, it, I, I really like the way that phone looks. Yeah, it's 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 pretty nice, pretty uh, pretty sleek. Let's, let's call it that. A leaked Verizon document hints at some release dates uh, for the new BlackBerry Storm and HTC Touch Diamond. The document talks about new courses that are being provided to the employees of Verizon, and the Verizon Touch Diamond online training will be available starting on the third of November with a required completion date of December or, yeah, December 3rd. So it looks like sometime around the November to December time frame for the Touch Diamond. Now, for the BlackBerry Storm, uh, looks like this is going to be coming out here within the next month as it shows some dates uh, into late October for when their new online courses are supposed to be completed by. Uh, O2 Germany will be getting the HTC Touch HD, according to a Boy Genius Report article. Uh, the unwired.net posted some photos of the Touch HD on their site, and it also referred to a marketing sample provided by O2 Germany, which will have the exclusivity launch for the Touch HD in Germany. So if you are a German customer, look to O2 if you want to pick up your Touch HD. No confirmed details, at least yet, on dating, uh, dates for that or pricing. The uh, Bell, uh, the, the Canadian company Bell, is looking to uh, take, a, I guess, uh, a, a stance very similar to what Verizon has done with many of its devices on the GPS side. According to a, uh, an article, again, from the Boy Genius, over the next few weeks, Bell will be increasing the GPS lock time on the devices that they have uh, for select BlackBerry. So two to 10 minutes is the expected lock time uh, for uh, standalone GPS uh, services that you have on your phone. Resolutions are also increased from one or up to one to two and a half kilometers. So they're they're taking out all the you know the drilled down maps that you can pull up when you pull up a th- um, a GPS map, and also third party applications uh, uh, will, will maintain speeds of ten to fifteen seconds and accuracy of ten to twenty five meters. Um, so what they're doing, I guess, is trying to force everybody to move over to the GPS. Uh, services that they offer, such as uh, Telenav, or I guess it's called GPS Nav there, and also the built-in BlackBerry Maps. Um, so it's a little, uh, it's a little annoying that they're they're doing that. I don't know. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I, this this stuff, I, it makes me very angry when they disable built-in chips or you know do this basically just crippling of the the built-in chips. Well, it looks like the 8830 World Edition, 8130 Pearl, and 8330 Curve are the devices that are going to be affected. We mentioned at the beginning about the operating system delays that are coming here. The first one is Palm's Nova operating system, or uh, the Palm OS 
2 will be delayed until sometime into mid-2009. Following that, Windows Mobile was announced this past week that the newest operating system, version 7, would be pushed back to the second half of 2009. What the heck is going on with this? Well, this could be, you know, first of all, it seems like whenever anything is announced, uh, as far as the OS goes it's always late no matter what so this is kind of the obligatory you know backdating and the you know or you know pushing pushing back the deadline but on the other side of things this may be a smart move uh well they may be doing this on purpose uh, delaying it because now they've got the chance to look at the the android they've now have the chance to to really look at the iphone 2.0 and and say, well, now we're in a position now where we're kind of you know halfway bu- through building our, our new generation of OS Let's see what features we can pile on now to, you know, compete to have, you know, you know, compete with these, you know, the latest generations of OSs that have just been released. And this may be a good thing, actually. It could be. And for them, they may need to go back to the drawing board on certain things and and start over with with certain aspects of it. Um, Obviously, that's going to take some additional time. Palm, though, I think is is really the one that's hurting the most. I mean, they haven't had any new software. When did when did Palm OS five come out? Do you remember? No, that's that's. (laughs) uh, I don't know when. uh, I think I think it's called Garnet came out. It is Garnet. At least six years at at least. And, And that's sad. I mean that is just you know just you know, horrible. How can they how can they wait that long to release a new operating system when you know the market is changing so quickly? Just new hardware. I, is all I, they've you done. know what? I don't. I don't. I actually I really don't see a problem with that. I, I don't no? have any issue with that whatsoever. It works so well. Why change something that's that's working so well? I mean, I have basically every latest feature, uh, maybe with the exception of GPS, but that's. I think uh, part of it. I can get GPS if I get a Bluetooth one. So I, I don't even know what I don't know what my problem is with that. I guess why would um, why have my why have I been trained to feel that I need a new need an update to my operating system every year? Then if if Palm has been able to successfully roll out um, and, and and continue with an operating system for you know five years or so and and really not have any problems with it, why does Windows Mobile have so many problems that it has to continually update it? When a, the iPhone coming out with new software, it seems like every month they're coming out with a new firmware version. And, and you know why is that? Why is Palm so good? Is it just because they were the industry leader at one point and and it's just that solid or? I believe so. It, it, it's something that they, they've had for, you know, it, it started you know way back, and it was always an organizer format. It was always designed to be very lightweight, very fast, very good computer syncing, and, you know, that's where its heritage came from. And, I, you know, personally, that's why I've never been interested in Windows Mobile, because I know that it's not, you know, a PDA. It's not an organizer. And, you know, I think they've really just, you know, they updated the OS enough with Garnet to have some of the multimedia capabilities um, and you know, app de- you know, app designers and app developers have really been able to take the the power of the underlying OS and and put out some apps that really compete with still the you know the absolute latest and greatest phones that are out there. Well, I I, I find that pretty remarkable. Um, anyway, but with both of these, we'll see them sometime. Like I said, mid two thousand and nine for the Palm, the new Palm OS, the Nova. And then uh, late, uh, or at least the second half of 2009, for Windows Mobile 7. 
Altel announced this week iTunes compatibility with certain handsets, including the Motorola Razr V3M, Crazer, Razr 2, and LG AX565. This is through a new service they're calling Nutsy. The application is uh, allows for availability of downloading and storing music and playlists that users have uh, on their computers. The service costs $5 per month or $20 per year, allowing access to your uh, all sorts of different things from your library to your playlist and also discovering of friends playlists. A new internet explorer has been cited. Now this is 6.1 for those that are keeping track. This is the uh, internet explorer that was supposed to be shipped with all Windows Mobile 6.1 phones and never really showed up. Now the version can um, is is different in that it allows for a mobile or desktop mode uh, to distinguish itself from the older browser. Other than that, doesn't have a whole lot to uh, to offer. Uh, it, it should at some point offer flash support and Silverlight support, and uh, we will see. It seems like Opera Mobile 9.5 has really kind of stolen the show on all the new Windows Mobile devices that are out there, and so this is maybe a little bit too late. A uh, question and comments here section now today. First one, comment from Tom. He says, hey, Mickey and Joey, I just wanted to let you know that I thoroughly enjoy your show. On my recent trip to Florida to a Florida, uh, my recent trip to Florida at a uh, private investigators conference where I was speaking on cellular forensics, I listened to your show on the plane and received some very good information that I was able to share later with the 150 private investigators and attorneys at the conference. In fact, when I gave out references, I informed my audience of your show and the great job you two do. Trying to stay up on the cell phone industry and the new phone models is an examiner's nightmare. However, you guys help ease the pain with your highly informative podcasts. Keep up the great job. I really appreciate it. Tom. Well, Tom, thank you very much for those kind words. It's um, it's wonderful to hear feedback like that. I, well, you know, we love doing the show for the, the the sheer informational aspect of it, and it it really is is a lot of fun to do. And Joey, I'm sure you agree. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, again, thank you, Tom, for those kind words. Next one is a question from Kirk, and he says, I'm in the process of switching cell phone providers, and Cricket Wireless is an option I'm considering. I've not been able to find many recent reviews slash opinions on the service from San Diego residents. The Cricket plans sound too good to be true, so I was hoping to get some opinions of San Diegans who have the service and occasionally about once a month travel outside of southern california i want to know if it is working well for them and if they would recommend it or not can you let me know where i can find this information that i'm looking for thanks i appreciate it kirk well uh let's start out by just briefly talking about cricket and how they are structured so the folks that aren't real familiar with them can uh, get uh get this information. They offer a low-cost unlimited plan, uh, which includes unlimited anytime minutes and unlimited caller ID for $25 a month. That is simply in the area that you live. Cricket has markets all across the country. Um, I would say probably maybe two to three dozen markets now that allow for this. Now, what that means is if you live in San Diego and you have Cricket, $25 a month, you can get caller ID and anytime minutes. Uh, but nothing else. You have no voicemail. You have no uh, call waiting, no call forwarding, anything like that. Those are all add-ons. Um, also, if you ever leave the market, you are basically subject to um, y- your phone not working or your phone uh, roaming. So what that means then is they've created some other plans. So for $40, you can get unlimited anytime minutes, uh, U.S. long distance, which is not included in the $25 plan, coverage in every cricket market, U.S. 
text, picture, and video messaging unlimited, and unlimited uh, text messaging to Mexico and caller ID. Now, okay, you're saying this is pretty good. Well, what else can you add? Well, up to $45 gives you unlimited voicemail, caller ID, and uh, three-way calling. $50 a month gives you uh, 30 nationwide roaming minutes and unlimited mobile web access. Uh, And then for $60 a month, you get 200 nationwide roaming minutes and all of the rest of the services that are offered. So uh, for a plan that is... um, $60 $60 a month, which is relatively on par with uh, some of the other plans that are out there, you get unlimited pretty much everything for uh, a cost that is, you know, somewhere I would say between 20 and 40% lower than any of the other, you know, providers that are out there. So not bad, right? Well, what about the coverage? I have used the Cricket service, however, briefly, and I would tell you that it is it is getting better. They are improving the markets that they have, but I would still be wary of it. And one of the you know the things that we always talk about is this 90% rule. And that is make sure that whenever you're getting a new phone or thinking about getting a new phone, that you're happy with it in 90% of the area that you are, which is at your house, at your work, and in the area that you travel in between them. Because if it works in those places and it works reliably in those places, you're going to be happy with the service. Um, Joey, what else can we recommend to him on what he can do uh, in, in investigating this uh, in cricket? Well, the best thing to do is to uh, ask around to see if you know anybody uh, who knows anybody who has cricket and see how they like it. I guess that's probably probably the easiest. Um, I could refer you to a couple of places wirelessadvisor.com has got some great forums. Howardforums.com has also got some great forums. Now, you're going to get some, I think, relatively biased opinions from people. And really, you, Kirk, are going to be the only one who's going to be able to decide on whether or not it's going to work for you or not. Um, And that's where it comes into, thank goodness you don't have to sign a contract when you get one of these phones. Um, You know, check out uh, what phones that they have. And, you know, why not just go out and buy one and try it out? If you're really considering it as a, you know, a switch, I'm guessing you're with one of the major providers right now. If you're really serious about it, just go get one, try it out, um, get the cheap plan, get the $25 a month plan, and just see how it works in your area. Um, when you're traveling, it's going to roam, I think, on Sprint, and so you get, depending on whatever plan you want, um, you know, you're going to probably pay 60 bucks a month to get you know nationwide roaming minutes on it, unless you happen to be in one of those cricket markets. But um, like I said, they are few and far between. And, uh, so especially if you're, you know, traveling or driving, you're going to find that you're not going to have coverage along those areas with cricket. So, um, there are some compromises for it, but if you spend most of your time in one place, it could certainly be a, uh, a viable option for you. Next one here is a question from Brent. He says, I'm coming to Canada and my company's cell phone provider doesn't have service in Canada and our IT department suggested that I buy a track phone for the week I'm up there and just buy the minutes I need. I called track phone to see what my options were and she told me they didn't have service there either. Do you have any information on a provider like track phone that I can buy a phone and minutes when I get there and use it for the week while I'm up there? U.S. Cellular is my provider, and last time we used our phones in Canada, we got stuck with outrageous fees. Uh, I am going to Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Well, we uh, we did a little bit of research, and Joey, I think I think the best thing that we can tell him at this point is uh, we've got a couple of different links here uh, for places. One is shops. Uh, shopssaskatchewan.com and the other one is for a cellular shop up there called Ewan's. And um, 
I'd recommend that you actually contact these folks and find out who the GSM providers are up there and um, and what different SIM cards you can get for them. I took a look and it appears that Roger does not have service up there, um, and, but uh, but Bell does. And uh, what but what I would take a look at is. If you can get an unlocked GSM phone, and you can get these fairly cheap online, take a look at eBay, Craigslist, whatever it is, and you can find you can find phones out there. And then you can just buy a prepaid SIM card while you're up there, and just load, I guess you know, have it preloaded with with money, and then use it for the calls that you need, um, and, and just kind of go with that. Uh, what else, Joey? I mean, this is, I mean, that's, I think, pretty much what he what he needs to do. I think so. Okay. Well. Um, if there's anyone out there from Saskatchewan, uh, specifically Humboldt, if you can give us you know, information that we can pass on to Brent, it would certainly be appreciated for the carriers that you would recommend for him to use up there. Uh, you can send that to us, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. Next one is a comment from Matt. He says, hey guys, I just wanted to chime in with an opinion on Android. Is it me or is the emperor naked on this one? How does a cell phone manufacturer in 2008 release a device without a 3.5mm headset jack? From all the pictures that I've seen, it also appears that the keyboard is not backlit. How are you supposed to use it at night? Also, I called up T-Mobile customer service this morning to find out more about the device, and they didn't have a clue. The representative was quoting information from CNN. I could not find the unsubsidized price. She said she heard it was $399, but that doesn't seem right to me. Then I told her I'd like to buy it outright at $399 right now. She said she couldn't do that. It was kind of funny to hear her stumble around after that, and she said I had to go to the pre-order website. The sad thing is that it really wasn't her fault. T-Mobile hadn't given them the information. Well, when she said all she had heard about it was yesterday, I told her to go to the Engadget mobile website that I've been reading about it there for months. She just laughed. My main issue with the device is a $25 to $35 data plan. I already have an unlimited SMS and MMS plan for everyone on my family. T-Mobile for a short period offered a $10 unlimited SMS to every account on a family plan, so I jumped on it. So I was trying to find out if there would be a lower tier of the data plan that does not include SMS. Otherwise, I might do what Joey did with his SIM and activate a $10 data plan for my Motorola Riser and then buy the unlocked Android and get 3G. Joey, I don't remember when you did that. Nope, but I don't think I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't do that because I haven't I've never even had a SIM card. So no, no, we, we would definitely wouldn't recommend that. Um, but anyway, uh, despite the shortcomings, I still want the device. The OS looks very slick, and I love the Google services. I just wish, wish HTC did a better job on the hardware, especially when they released so many great-looking phones in recent months. If the G1 isn't in the cards for me, I'm going with the unlocked Centro or an unlocked Pearl. I guess we can all stop drooling over Android now and start drooling over the new Palm OS, which should be out sometime this decade. Love the show. Sorry for the long email. Matt in Howell, New Jersey. Well, Matt, um, you know, we talked about Android a little bit uh, earlier in the show, and so I think it's, um, I, I don't think we need to go into that anymore, but I know Joey's got some, some thoughts. Well, yeah, the three, the three and a half millimeter jack, that's, that's really relatively new and devices are still coming out without it. So, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I, we just have to keep pushing, pushing on that jack because, you know, I don't have it on the Centro and I have to use a little teeny cable to adapt from two and a half millimeter and it's just terrible. And the backlight, it's, it's gotta have a backlight. I, I know I tried to look for information on that and, and I didn't see any with it lit up, but there, there's there's no way it doesn't have a backlight. I mean, I, there's there hasn't been a cell phone without a backlight keyboard. It it, it has to be there. <laughs> it just yeah. has to be. 
it would have been a severe oversight if for some reason it doesn't. Um, so anyway, but uh, thanks for the comments, Matt. We certainly appreciate them and uh, your opinions on Android. Next one, question from Jim. He says, hey, guys, is there an Entourage application uh, c- compatible with Windows mobile devices? Great show. Thanks, Jim. Well, Jim, the easiest question of the show you've brought us today, and uh, this one is uh, very simple. Go to markspace.com, and you're looking for the product called Missing Sync, and it's what is used to synchronize as a conduit Max to Windows mobile devices. You can buy it for $39.95, and it syncs all of your calendar, contacts, media, office files, and even allows you to install Windows applications. Next one, a comment from Kettil. He had sent in a voicemail, and uh, it, it was rather lengthy. And so I, I will just make the brief comment that if you do have a voicemail for us, uh, try to keep it uh, brief. Usually a minute is preferable uh, so that we can play them on the show. But I wanted to summarize what Kettil said uh, from last week when he talked about his comments on the E71's keyboard. And he just wanted to clarify that uh, the smaller keyboards on some of these devices are very hard for him to type on. And so he does like the QWERTY keyboard board. It just wishes that he could type on it a little bit better. So thanks very much for the voicemail, Kettle, and I look forward to hearing from you again. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that he had mentioned about using a Bluetooth uh, full-size keyboard with his cell phone. I think we had talked about that maybe a few shows ago, but that's still a, that's a, a neat point to bring up again that you can do that. Yeah, and it works relatively easy. Um, you know, you just, uh, similar like a Bluetooth headset, you just hook it up and there you go. Nice big wide keyboard and you can do everything you need. Yeah, it's real neat. Well. Yep. Finally today, a question from Greg. He says, hi, Mickey. I guess this is not cell phone related, but you may know the answer. I often get incoming calls that show 000000000 as the caller ID, and I usually don't answer them. The other day I did, and it was some sort of solicitation. My published office phone number forwards to my cell phone. I asked the guy why the number came up this way, and he said, that uh, it was so that I would not know who was calling. He said it was a broadband phone number and that I should get with the times. <laughs> Do you know if this is correct? I'm just curious. Well, Joey, you've got, a, uh, you've got an answer for this one. What does that number designate? Well, it, it basically, it, it could be designate anything. Um, it, it's, it's probably coming from a Skype connection or a voice over IP connection, or it's a spoofed uh, which basically in this case, it's not even a, it's just a, you know, a, a non-existent phone number that's being spoofed or just not being transmitted. So uh, I've received 000 calls um, basically from Skype. Um, I know Skype uses some other odd uh, combinations like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And there's, there's a few other weird ones you'll get depending on what service is calling you. So it, it's something you probably just may want to continue to ignore them. Unfortunately, yeah. it's kind of what you're left with. Unless you know that someone's calling you from a voice over IP line, um, you know, overseas, you're using Skype, or actually anywhere you're using Skype. Unless you specifically uh, have set it, which you can do with Skype, which is convenient now, you can set it to have a specific phone number show up when you call, uh, which I have done so that when I call landlines from Skype, it shows up as my mobile phone number so people know that I... I am who I am, uh, and they can call me back if they need to. So, um, granted, I don't do it very often. In fact, Joey, I think you're really the only one I've ever used to call that, and it's always been just a test. Um, but you always know it's me, so I guess that's convenient, right? Well, we we had a uh, unlocked episode. Yes, that's right, we did. Um, so I guess yes, it does work. Uh, and you know, that's a great. Uh, 
you know, great information. Uh, the unlocked show of the Cell Phone Junkie is available by going to thecellphonejunkie.com and on the right side, clicking on the link that gets you over to TCPJ Unlocked. We'll come out with another episode this week. That will be show number five as we continue on with our every other week format. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so multiple ways. Either send us an email, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or shoot us a voicemail to 206 203 3734. And we haven't mentioned it in a while, so I think I will again. Twitter, you can contact us on Twitter at twitter.com slash TCPJ underscore Mickey and TCPJ underscore Joey. Joey and I uh, love to play on Twitter and get, you know, get all of our information out there uh, on time and in a timely manner. So if you're ever looking to, you know, get in, you know, the latest updates on what's going on with us, you can do so that way. And also, I did want to mention, too, because I had someone ask me uh, this week as well. I send out an email every single week after I publish a show. And if you would like to get on that email list, I only use it, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to send out um, when the show has been published, and it will give you a direct download link for the show. So if you ever want to know the latest, uh, the, the exact moments that the, that the show has been released, uh, send me an email to questions at com, and I will add you to the list uh, to get that email when it is sent out. So uh, as far as that, I think that covers it. Uh, show number 122 is in the bag. And uh, Joey, as always, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.